You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Bengals fans are amazing. They're resilient, they're tough, but they're fun. And I'm I'm really excited to hopefully meet a lot, a lot more of you. Isaac has the big game. Then we became a real balanced offense for the playoff run, which I thought was really important. He put on the greatest route running exhibition I have ever seen in my life. He was he was football 24-7, and that was the greatest part of, of Chad. Times at times the early part i would tell him when he were throwing deep passes i said don't wait too long you know because i'm gonna get away if you ain't gonna have the arm to get there so you know i want to run to the ball you know well it looks like duke's in the waiting room i don't want to keep duke waiting he gave us a very limited amount of time i know he's a busy busy man duke what's going on big dog hey nobody jim how are you man thanks for having me on yeah hey. i'm real busy i'm sitting on my porch yeah well hey <laughs> I'll have a little dream going on there. You know, Joe Burrow has played in big games his entire life, and I would think he will be a steady hand at the at the, at the bow of the ship. And uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they take him all the way to the Super Bowl. I really wouldn't. Do it. Live from the Betfred Studios in Greater Cincinnati in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's Bengal Jim and Friends brought to you by Gold Star Chili with our special guests, Ben Baby and Dave Slidey. And without further ado, here's Jimmy. What's going on? Hey, Tom, who the hell is this in the upper right-hand corner of my screen? What's his name? That's a weary traveler, but he's dressed very well, so I think we should have him on the show. Yeah, it's great to uh, <laughs> great to be back. It is uh, making my cameo appearance for for the month of March, and uh, look forward to uh, our show tonight. All right, guys, we're going to get right into it. So, it's just a reminder: Jamie, Tony, uh, Mark, everybody else, this is our off season. So, uh, we'll we'll have a uh, one or two of us on here as we go through free agency and the Bengals draft. But let's go and get right to it. I mean, we got Ben Baby from ESPN on, uh, going to go through a lot of uh, free agent activity here. So, let's go ahead and pull on Ben now. Ben, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Hey, good, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Hey, man, last time I saw you, I think it uh, – where in the hell were we, Tampa? I don't know. Were you walking down the street with a beer? I had to help you to your to the Uber. I don't know. I don't know about all that. I feel like that's a, <laughs> a wrong characterization. I had a cigar uh, in my hand. I believe that was uh, what, what I had. I was uh, Listen, when you're in Ebor City, you got you to partake. I, I do like me a good cigar from time to time. So I believe it was a cigar, if we're going to be accurate about this. No, that was that wasn't you, Ben. My bad. I forgot that was somebody else. Sorry about that. But uh, hey, Ben, look, look, man, it's been a just a crazy, crazy uh, free agency here for for Cincinnati. Some, you know, a couple uh, subtractions from the team here. One of them I was a little upset about, obviously with Von Bell being gone. But I, just kick it off here. I'm going to pull up a list. Uh, Tom, I tell you what, you go ahead and kick this off. I got a list of all the free agents that we've signed. I got a list of the ones that are still outstanding on a team, like the Eli Apple, Apples and the Flowers of the World. But Tom, go ahead and kick it off here with Ben. And anybody that's watching right now, type in some questions. We'll get as, to a, as many of them as we can. He'll throw them up there for, for Ben Baby to answer for you. Yeah, Ben, coming out of the gate uh, for free agency, uh, you know, if you asked any Bengals fan, it was the the insecurities of, of prior decades that have been beat over our heads. The sky was falling. The, it was like, you know, walking around and you see the guys with the sandwich size on. The end is near. Uh, and, and there were some unexpected things. I think 
just about anybody you read or anybody you talked to did expect Von Bell to come back. Uh, he did not. Uh, I think, you know, a little bit of different of the, the structure of the contract just didn't feel all that good at uh, Paycor Stadium. Take us through Von Bell leaving first. Yeah, you know, I think that he, you can't understate how important he was, especially when you look at what they wanted to do in that secondary over the last couple of years. You got to remember when he came in, he helped revitalize, you know, that defense as part of the, the big transformation on that side of the ball, gave them some veteran leadership alongside uh, Jesse Bates, who was also uh, not going to be on the team next year as he signed a massive deal with Atlanta. But when he looked at what Vaughn did, you know, that, that price point would have been hard for the Bengals to pay. You know, the Carolina, I believe, also uh, gave Vaughn a little guaranteed money in year two, which is something that Cincinnati does not do. They, they as a principle, do not give money in the second year of contracts. That, that may change when Joe Burrow's deal uh, comes up. And, and if they, you know, I've heard throughout the league and a lot of people do business with the Bengals have said, if there's anybody who's going to change that structure, it's going to be number nine. So we'll see when that deal gets done, what that structure is going to look like, obviously with the amount of money, they're going to have to be creative to make sure that they're going to be able to have good cap flow and cash flow over the duration of that contract as that takes up a good chunk. But you look at it, they ended up uh, agreeing to terms with Nick Scott. You know, I, I think when you look at what he does, he is a almost a like-for-like replacement for Von Bell. They got him at a much uh, di- more discounted a rate, and that makes sense because you think about it. The the over the last couple of years, you talk about the playmakers on the offensive side of the ball: your Jamar Chases, your T. Higgins, and your Joe Burrows. All those guys are on rookie deals that allowed the team to go out and spend a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball and free agency. Well, that is about to flip because, as we know, Burrow is up for an extension, T. Higgins up for an extension, and Jamar Chase will be up next year. And if you want to keep those core guys together and everything that we've heard publicly and privately suggests that is the case for the Bengals, you cannot give these other positions that you did spend on before the same kind of contracts. You know, you look at whenever DJ Reader signed his deal, Trey Hendrickson got his deal. They got a lot of their money on the front end, and then they're going to give them good cash flow throughout. And, you know, the fact that Reader is still here in year four says a lot about how they feel about him and how good he is. But those kind of deals, the investments that you saw on the defensive side of the ball, not necessarily sustainable as the Bengals look at what's going on with its offense. So seeing Vaughn leave, seeing Hayden Hurst leave, Jesse Bates going to Atlanta, those are some of the attrition that that occurs whenever you have those cap constraints. And a good team. Um, Getting back to Nick Scott, one of the things when Vaughn Bell came here, he was known as tough. He was known as a shirt tackler. He was known as an in-the-box safety. And I can remember the majority of his first year, you know, getting chewed up on social media by the media during the game. You know, man, this guy can't cover. This guy can't cover a bed. And then all of a sudden, the last two years, he was making big plays. A lot of that has to do with Luna Anarumo's coaching. Can you get into that? I mean, and with Nick Scott, we seem to be hearing maybe he's a little smaller, but a lot more athletic. Maybe if he, but he makes it, makes up for it in toughness and a sure tackler. Maybe a weakness might be coverage. Should we see some of that Anaruma magic again with him, with our new number three? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting concept. I think that Vaughn, I, I would agree with that, that as he got, you know, as he progressed with the Bengals, I think that he was better in coverage. We saw him make some plays. Uh, you want him to be able to match up with some of those tight ends, some of those guys on the inside, you know, and then when he has, you know, when they play those cover two looks uh, to be able to take half of the field. And I thought Vaughn did a good job of that. You know, with, with Nick Scott, you know, I looked at his heat maps according to NFL Next Gen Stats and the Rams last year primarily played him on the right side of the defense, you know, uh, shaded him closer to the box. He did, you know, play up top as you have to do in those two high looks. But, you know, I'm curious to see what happens with him. You know, historically, I I think the the big X factor here, we talk about Nick Scott, but the guy that really we need to talk about is Dax Hill. And here's why. The Bengals, when they had Jesse Bates, because of how athletic Bates is, how, how fast he is, how much range he covers, that gives you so much freedom because you have that guy at the top of your defense. And when he takes up so much space, you can be creative with the other 10 guys underneath. 
as Dax continues to develop. And you got to remember, he wasn't playing free safety for really the back half of the year. He was playing quarterback. And, you know, he was still, you know, he talked about how he didn't really have, you know, it kind of, it, it was, I wouldn't say unsettling, but I think that he probably would have preferred to have a more surefire position on a weekly basis and know what was going to be expected of him. Now that he's going to get a full offseason to prepare as the free safety, that's what it appears he will play. You know, what is that progression going to look like? What is that maturation going to look like? And then once Anna Rumo can decide how well Dax is able to play, maybe in those single high looks, that may decide what he ends up doing with Nick Scott. But as you mentioned, you know, a guy who is in the box can be a short tackler. You have to be those things because yards after catch are a massive detriment. And the Bengals have really, you know, I think the progression under Anarumo, you go back and look at that 19 team and that 20 team and the amount of bad tackling that we saw, they really shored that up. And, and sometimes winning football is as simple as getting a guy to the ground. Yeah, interesting. So we, we're we going to talk about uh, Orlando Brown here in a minute, but let's talk about some of the guys right here, uh, Ben, that, you know, there's still some guys uh, that we probably need to get under contract. What are you hearing about, uh, I mean, specifically Eli Apple and Trey Flowers? Yeah, you know, those guys are going to be interesting. You know, I think this week you'll start to see some movement on them. And, and you know, Eli, you know, we had the same discussion last year when you looked at, you know, what the options were for him and, and he decided to come back on a one-year deal again. You know, for him to come back on a one-year, depending on what the market looks like, you know, if there isn't a big market for him, that may end up persuading, you know, that may be a deciding factor if the Bengals do bring him back, if it's cost-efficient, you know, because you think about it, if Eli does come back, it's with the knowledge that he likely will not be the starter. He's going to be a backup. Last year, even though they drafted Cam Taylor Britt in the second round, Eli Apple still was the starter for at least a little bit, was able to put that on tape. This year, especially with how well Cam Taylor Britt closed 2022, you have to imagine you're going to see Chidabe Awuzie if uh, the, his progression from that ACL injury continues to go well. And uh, alongside Cam Taylor Britt, that leaves Eli as your backup corner. And then you have to ask the question, well, do how much are we going to pay for a third cornerback, especially when, you know, in those dime packages, are we going to, would, you, would we rather maybe potentially – pay up a little bit more for Trey Flowers or a guy like Trey Flowers to come in on those dime packages, or would you rather have that reserve cornerback? And, and you know, they do have a guy in Allen George who, who played well at times. He's somebody who could slot in as a third cornerback on a, on a cheaper option. He's a guy that I thought was really impressive throughout training camp last year. And, and, you know, he, he's someone that the Bengals did like, they've kept him around and I'm curious to see what he looks like. So, you know, I think that's a part of that equation as well, because you do not, like I said earlier, you just don't have the money you used to, but with Eli, I think that's going to be the consideration. You know, I think this is going to be his chance. If he's going to get maybe one or two more deals in the NFL, he's got to be able to show that he can be a starting cornerback. And that may be the deciding factor in this. Got it. Ben, we okay. appreciate you um, joining us. A lot of uh, viewer questions, um, as we always say, this show's by the fans, for the fans, and a lot of tight end talk. Uh, Hayden Hurst was a fan favorite um, last year. A lot of Bengals fans, uh, including us on the show, would have loved to see him back. Obviously, he got a handsome payday to go to Carolina. Uh, Mike Kosecki's name was thrown around. I believe he went to New England. Um, Joe Burrow's former teammate, Foster uh, Moreau, was in town. Um I didn't realize not only did he go to LSU, but uh, as a New Orleans native, went down to the bayous talking with the Saints. What do you see us um, doing, bringing in that veteran um, along with a combination of an early draft pick? What's your thoughts on the uh, tight end situation for the Bengals? Yeah, you know, I think the the big chatter about this, you know, this offseason is that the tight end class is very good. Uh, in this draft class and we'll see how they end up developing. I think James Casey should get a lot of credit. I think he's one of the more underrated assistants on this staff. When you look at the development of guys, you know, like, like Drew Sample, like Mitchell Wilcox, uh, what Uzama, CJ Uzama and Hayden Hurst were able to do here. I think it's impressive. You know, if you talk to James Casey for five minutes, that's going to turn into a 20 minute conversation about what it's like to play tight end. I mean, that guy eats, sleeps, breeds everything about what a tight end needs to be doing. And, and they have such a complex task. You know, if you watch the Bengals, you see that these tight ends are sometimes asked to go one-on-one -on -one against an edge rusher. They have to be able to go run. Bengals, you see 
that these tight ends are sometimes asked to go one-on-one against an edge rusher. They have to be able to go run routes. They've got to be good in run blocking and pass blocking. And, you know, that's kind of the rub is that sometimes you see a lot of guys who are really good in the passing game, but not good in, in blocking schemes. And then vice versa, you have guys who are really good blockers and not good in pass protection. You know, will they end up bringing back a combination of, you know, Drew Sample, Mitchell Wilcox, and maybe going and getting a, a cheaper veteran option? Do they feel like they have Sample or Wilcox who can slide in and be a starter? Should that need to be the case? I think that remains to be seen. Do they take a tight end in the first round or second round and see how that goes? I think those are all big questions. You know, a lot of the Michael Mayer is a guy that's been talked about a lot, a local kid from Covcath. And I think that the one question about him is that you just don't necessarily see a lot of the burst and the speed that you might like uh, ideally at that spot, but he does so many things. Well, he is a very meat and potatoes tight end, a guy that you can come in and you can ask and he'll do a lot of things well. And and there are other options that are going to be available throughout the draft. But, you know, when you look at the Bengals offense, you have two guys. I mean, the tough thing for a tight end to come here and also uh, to play here for a while is that you aren't necessarily always going to get a lot of looks. And that's one of the things about this offense, because you have Jamar Chase, you have T Higgins for the time being, you have Tyler Boyd that leaves your tight end sometimes as your fourth option. And how many targets are you going to get even in an offense that likes to throw it around a lot? And there's only so much of the ball to go around. And so when you look at, you know, not retaining Hayden Hurst, when you look at it, even if the Bengals had the cap space to be able to do that, would that be a good allocation of resources given that you probably want to sweeten the pot for Jamar Chase, for T. Higgins, be in a good position to get those guys back? So I think that's part of the on the push and pull. But ideally, I think you would probably want a veteran tight end, maybe a guy who had been here before, and see what you can get in the draft. Thank you on that. It will be interesting with the Washington um, kid out of Georgia with the size uh, mayor. Um, and several others there. So uh, plenty of options available with that uh, end of the first round pick for the Bengals. One other um, fan question before we uh, turn it back over to um, Jimmy. Tina Hall asks, uh, what do you think uh, will happen with Jonah Williams? Obviously a lot of excitement this week, the Orlando Brown signing, you know, I think came out of um, left field ecstatic about um, one, not only bringing him in and solidifying that left tackle spot for two, the discount kind of that uh, many say we got um, for Orlando coming here and, and playing left tackle. Uh, right after that was announced, we heard Jonah's feelings. What, uh, what's your thoughts on that situation? Um, will Jonah be around here in another uh, 30 days or? Will he be on a, another team? Yeah, you know, it's, it's an interesting question. I think the, the tricky part about this is that fifth-year option, the amount of money that's going to be, you know, uh, tied to that. I believe it's around $12 million, and the Bengals picked that up. Uh, you know, ideally, when you looked at it, you, if you go back, you know, this was something they did not expect to happen in free agency and, and the way that things kind of worked throughout the week. They had the money available to go get Orlando Brown, pay him that $31 million in signing bonus, which is a, a massive amount that should not – be understated. And, and you look at, and they, they, you know, to get him to commit essentially, because it almost feels like free agency is a lot like college football recruiting. You got guys coming on visits, you got guys making top lists and going out there. I mean, uh, the only thing missing sometimes is a recruiting edit and a top five list coming out and maybe a little hat ceremony. So maybe one of these guys, I would like maybe a little bit of hat ceremony or just like a, maybe bags of cash with logos on them. I'll go ahead and, and do that. <laughs> like a big check. I think we can get creative. I think we're leaving a lot of meat on the bone, but you know, it, it's really fascinating because that's why Orlando, the reason that Jonah Williams asked for a trade is why Orlando Brown is here because Orlando Brown wanted to play left tackle. He understood that there was a value in that. He said that, you know, he wanted to, to obviously, uh, you know, accomplish something that his dad felt like he never really got to. And that's getting the respect that he should have gotten because he played right tackle. And, and you know, when you're on the left side, you're, you know, most of the time matched up against the team's opposing team's best edge rusher. And for Jonah Williams going into a contract year, going to right tackle is going to significantly hurt his value moving forward. And he's obviously going to want a second contract. He's going to want, you know, the kind of money that Orlando Brown is going to command or, or whatever a good uh, second contract looks like. So it's hard to fault Jonah. And, you know, I think the Bengals had to understand that this was, this might've happened. And, and, you know, it's funny, even internally, there were some conversations about, you know, we asked 
you know, Frank Pollock and Brian Callahan and, and you know, Zach at the combine, uh, you know, about the possibility that Jonah could move from the left to the right side. And, and even Pollock, you know, suggested that, yeah, you know, Jonah might do it because he's a team first guy, but that would be tough. And, and you know, despite all the bluster about it, that is not an easy transition either. You know, it's almost like, you know, to use, to use a combat sports reference, it's almost like going from an orthodox position to a southpaw position because now you, instead of going left foot, you know, you're, you're on your left side and you're moving that way, you're on the right side. That is not an easy thing to do. Not everybody can be ambidextrous and to ask him to pick it up in a short amount of time. I mean, that, that is a big risk. So I understand why that's the case. You know, we'll see what happens with Cody Ford. You know, he's a guy that, that you know, has a lot of potential. We've seen that, the, re the reason he's still, you know, in the league right now. And, and I think that right tackle position is going to be in flux. But, you know, this Jonah Williams situation is up in the air. And it's, you know, it could be the case of the Bengals trying to find what they can get back if Jonah decides he doesn't want to play in Cincinnati. Yeah, just, Ben, I know we just got you for one more minute here. Uh, I got to gotta ask you, just – what was your take, the surprise, uh, if it was a surprise to you, on the signing of Orlando Brown? I know for us it was, but I just wanted to get your feedback on that. Yeah, you know, it's that's not the kind of deal you see that late in the week. I mean, you look at it, and when you saw the, the big money deal that the Bengals made last year, they made it a point that that the second the negotiating window opened, you know, our Adam Sheffield reported that that Alex Kappel was coming to the Bengals. I believe it was at the stroke of 12, as soon as that window opened, this year, you know, we saw them, you know, we, we heard talk to Frank Pollock earlier in the week and, and we, we heard Zach Taylor and, and just it all kind of came together late. So that was a big surprise. And I think, the you know, we'll write about this on ESPN.com this week. It signals to me, based on what they've said publicly about the receivers, what they've done to the offensive line, this franchise is continuing to go all in on Joe Burrow. And to be honest, if the Bengals want to get over the hump and win that championship, win that Lombardi trophy, they're going to have to do it with number nine. And if we're being honest, one of the big reasons the Bengals have not won that Super Bowl is the pass protection in the AFC championship game last season and in the Super Bowl in 2021, uh, it was just not good enough. And Burrow, you just was never comfortable. The offense was not clicking. You look at his QBR in the postseason. It's not been what we've seen it to be at the end of 2022, which has been his best stretch in the league. So getting Burrow more comfortable could uh, be a massive uh, dividend for this offense and we'll see how this continues to progress. But I was surprised at that deal coming in that late in the week because you normally don't make your blockbuster signing on a Friday. So, you know, I, I think the Bengals are going to be happy with what they're going to get if that offensive line continues to play well. And, and we'll see because the Bengals do need that offense to kind of take that next step in these big games if they want to win those trophies. Well, Ben, look, man, we appreciate your time, buddy. Uh, we've got a couple quick things for you before you get off here. I know you gotta got to get, but uh, our buddy Mark is asking a, a soccer question here. I think he's messing with you a little bit. Uh, what's the only team with a European – only team in London with a European Cup? Do you know who that is? I'm not sure. I have a hunch that if someone's trolling me, it's probably going to be a Spurs question. But given the fact that their manager just went on a 10-minute tirade about how the front office is bad before he's getting fired, I don't think any Spurs fans need to be slandering me. Uh, if you're a London fan, it's going to be uh, tough for you to watch Arsenal win the league this year. So you just got to deal with it. You've got another couple of months to process before we hold the trophy. But it is what it is. And if you're ever at the pitch on uh, some game days, you know, the, the Cincinnati Gooners Club is really strong. It's been a lot of fun. So if you're interested, come out and join. And uh, it's a good atmosphere. Damn it. I knew it. I knew it. I, mean, that's, that's, I thought that'd be your response. Lighten him up. Hey, Ben, brother, we we appreciate it, man. Tell everybody where they can find you, man, on social media. Where are you at? Where can they find you, man? Yeah, you know, I'm transitioning off of Twitter. I'm not as much. I'm not on it as much as I used to be. Uh, so I'm trying to do more on Instagram. It's at bbaby41. Still on Twitter, at Ben underscore baby. We'll figure out how that platform goes. It seems like that changes week to week. But, you know, I think the best way to find me, at ESPN.com. Make sure you have that Bengals team page personalized on the ESPN app, and it should be a very interesting offseason as the Bengals still try to find out what it's going to take for them to get over that hump because right now they're contenders and they want to be champions, and now everything they do is leading to that point. Yeah, Ben, we appreciate all the insight, man, buddy. Keep it up. We, we follow you pretty closely, man. Keep it keep it up, man. We appreciate everything. Hey, thank you all for having me. It's always fun. And we'll next time we'll have to have a cigar together next time I see you. Okay, <laughs> absolutely, buddy. Thanks, absolutely. I'm buying. I'm buying. Thanks, Ben. See you, buddy. Thanks, Ben. Take care. Vacations can be tricky. 
You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I wonder <laughs> if Ben understands that uh, he'd, he'd have to have that cigar with James. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, him and some media folks are walking around Ebor City, so it was having some fun messing with him. So, uh, Ben's Ben's got some good good insight here. I didn't want to bring up. I know him and I. Uh, do you see Marvin Lewis responded to one of his posts today uh, on social yeah. media? So, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to bring Ben's that up. Great, um, you know, does a great job for ESPN. It's been a while since we've had him on, so it's great to um, see Ben back on here with us, and uh, we appreciate him taking uh, taking time out of his day to uh, to join us. Guest number two, Jimmy. Well, Tom, I tell you what, before we bring Tom, I mean, David on, Dave uh, Slyby, um, talk about talk about these uniforms a little bit. I'm going to pop up some pictures and stuff. 1997, uh, the Bengals uh, made some slight tweaks and changes. I'll pop some pictures up here, but go ahead and talk through some of those changes that pop up pictures here. And then we'll bring Dave on and explain, uh, share just a very unique story that I think very few people in Bengals Nation know and have ever heard before. Yeah, they went from the uh, Super Bowl twenty-three era stripes to the uniform you're seeing now with the jumping tiger uh, on the sleeves, uh, a little more bolder, bigger type stripe, and with the orange on the sleeve. So it was a very, very big deal at the time because uh, of how the stripes had identified the Bengals. But there, there, that was that was the as we just saw the Corey Dillon and the Boomer Esiason year. Corey came on, took the league by storm, and Boomer came in to replace Jeff Blake as our quarterback and was maybe the best six weeks of his career to end the year that year. Uh, had had it happened a few weeks earlier and the Bengals had another couple wins, they'd have been in the playoffs and they might have been a team to be reckoned with. But yeah. uh, So it, it's funny, you know, it's during that 97 to – what year was that again? I'm sorry, 97 to 2003 oh, when it – when they added the Leaping Tiger logo, it was during a very bad era of Cincinnati Bengals football. And it, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, attention uh, on that Leaping Tiger logo by fans. It was just more fans really upset about how bad the team was at the end of the day. Today, uh, fast forward all these years, it has to be uh, the number one most popular logo amongst fans. I had to wear the hat uh, from Cook Sporting Goods. Thank you, Greg and Chris and all the guys down at Cooks. But this leaping Bengal Tiger logo that was simply put on those sleeves, patched, uh, stitched on also uh, at Paul Brown Stadium at the time. I think it was uh, on the 50-yard line, right, right, Tom? It was uh, on the uh, on the field oh, yeah. as well. So it 
let's we're gonna bring on uh Dave Slyby. Dave Slyby Slyby uh worked for the Bengals, director of event marketing from 1987 to 1999. Dave was involved in this uh conversation with Mike Brown uh in NFL properties about that leaping tiger logo. So let's bring on Dave Slyby. I'm telling you guys, you're gonna love hearing this story. Dave, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? Hey guys, thanks for having me. Hey Slyby. Good man, good. So, Dave, just walk us through. You've seen what we just showed, some of those pictures, and and uh, I think uh, this is the picture will pop up now because I, I think uh, this is the a Jonathan Ruffin picture uh, of that leaping Bengal tiger photo being presented to Paul Brown at the time. Uh, but tell us how, your story, how that Bengal leaping tiger got on the uniforms in 1997. Well, I think that the catalyst behind all of that was really Katie uh, Blackburn um, wanting us to uh, explore possibilities um, of what changes we want to make. And I was in touch with a lot of the people in New York at NFL uh, League Office and NFL Properties in, in particular. And um, they had a team that was in charge of helping teams redesign the logo. And they put a lot of effort into coming up with sketches and uh, color schemes and uh, just all the different things that you would think a major corporation would put into their logo and brand guidelines and those kind of things. Um, so they came into Cincinnati. They sat down with, with Mike Brown and they had um, all of this material that they had prepared and were very proud of and presented to him on why a certain look and a certain design would be appropriate. And it didn't take it very, very long in the meeting uh, where Mike basically just said, that's not what I have in mind. That's not what I want. I want this. And he pointed to the picture on his wall, which was that picture of the uh, wildlife rendering of the leaping tiger, which was in his father's office, in Paul Brown's office, uh, from the time uh, that I can remember uh, at Riverfront Stadium. And uh, so he that's what really generated the next logo uh, uh, at that time. And the way it was uh, designed and presented was based on Mike's uh, desire. You know, Mike had a grasp on what was important to the fans, what he wanted to see, and he wanted to keep the legacy of what he thought his father would want to, want to have done uh, in, in presenting this new logo. So, so basically, Dave, so the NFL properties did their due diligence and graphs and charts and pretty pictures and all this other stuff of what they wanted to do, right? And every and there, and Mike was being very polite to him, it sounded like, and just said simply, just pointed right behind him, I want that leaping tiger low. What was their, what was NFL properties reaction when Mike, when Mike did that? I, I don't know that their reaction at that moment was uh, anything abrasive or anything. I think they were surprised. Uh, the comments that I got back to me after the meeting was uh, that they were shocked uh, that they that they were um, that they were belittled by the fact that you know we'd done all this great work and it was all for naught. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of things that go into that. You know, you you got to look at a logo and you got to say, okay, what looks good on paper versus what can be embroidered properly. Uh, the one of the things we had at the Bengals for years. Uh, to, to fight off was PMS colors, getting the exact match, the right orange. We would have vendors all the time not use the right orange color. And, uh, and we would have to fight those kind of battles on, on a weekly basis. And so, you know, they took all these things uh, into account. Uh, but, but again, it was the fact that the, uh, this was the first change, if you'll remember, that took place to the franchise uh, since the passing of Paul Brown. And Mike wanted to honor what he thought his father would, would have endorsed and designed. Um, so in, in, you know, my history with the team, I grew up in Wilmington. I was around the franchise uh, um, early on. And I remember the, the, the days of Archie Griffin and all those kind of guys. And so I've seen the logo changes happen over the years. And I know you guys know the famous uh, story of, back in the early days of the Bengals when the Cleveland Browns and the Bengals uniforms were very, very similar. Uh, you know, Paul Brown created the, the 68 Bengal uniform and he got a phone call from Pete Rozelle saying, you've stolen the, the Bengal, you've stolen the Browns logo and, and uniform design. 
And Paul Brown's response was, who stole what from whom <laughs> uh, was his response on that. So when they made the change that Paul Brown headed up with putting the stripes on the uniform, putting the stripes on the helmet, that, that very bold statement that happened in the first, first uh, Super Bowl season, uh, that was something that Paul Brown was in control of completely. What happened in 97 uh, was the first time that decision was made without his input because of his passing. And Mike wanted to uh, keep that legacy alive. So, so Dave, what happened? So this, again, I'm popping this picture up again. You can see the, the stitched on uh, leaping tiger logo on the sleeve there. So did, did NFL properties have to go back and kind of redesign and, and they're the one who came back and put that re- redesign that these jerseys and uniforms exactly. that we're seeing right here. Exactly. I had to redesign. Uh, there was a lot that went into the angle of the leap and, and those kind of things. But the, the bottom line here is, is if you're the way you look at this from a marketing viewpoint is let's create something that's on the uniform. That's also can be translated and used well on the coach's sideline gear. And then it can also be available at retail. Uh, for for the fan base to to purchase. And if you can get that continuity through all those three channels, then the fans will respond and they will will, will buy that merchandise uh, to represent, you know, the franchise. So that that was a kind of a key component to it all. Very cool. Tom James. Yeah, uh, Dave, here's uh, one of our frequent uh, listeners. Jennifer has this this comment. Love to see Burrow with a leaping tiger. Well, Jennifer, it's your lucky night. I just happened to be at Cook's last August and was looking at the retro jerseys. Jimmy was there. And uh, this is uh, what I had made, which I believe is the replica. You can see the numbers up on the shoulders. The Leaping Tiger. I think that might have been the last two Leaping uh, Tigers that um, Cook's had. I don't know if they've got any in ever since. But um, that's what it would look like. You know, who knows if we'll ever see – Joe and one of those actually maybe he can borrow it uh, and uh, we'd snap a picture, but um, it is pretty cool thinking of our modern day uh, QB with uh, with that jersey on. That's cool looking. I like that. But Dave, Tom? part of that uh, piece piece from the Leaping Tiger was the um, sort of evolved from that logo, but the, the next logo or alternate logo was the tiger face, the tiger head growling, and that is just just simply the face off that tiger enlarged, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's uh, we call it the open mouth tiger head. And it, it, it again, it, it had a look to it. I mean, you, you know, you're looking into the eyes of that and, and it really, uh, it translated well. Uh, what was kind of funny about that was uh, Katie also gave us permission to redesign the, the mascot. And so we, we went through the whole process again with designing the mascot and the first renderings based on the, the, the open, mouth tiger came back and it was too grimacing of a look for kids <laughs> it did not translate well and so we had to tone that down a little bit and redesign that um when we actually came out and introduced the new mascot back in the day that's well cool. they're, they're they're all good none of them are as good as the the afl running tiger but yeah, yeah that's right that's right yeah, yeah. I know that's a favorite. Jimmy was telling me that's his favorite of his. It is mine as well. And and it just takes you back in, into those days. And it, what's funny is, is, you know, you go back and you look a lot of those, the decisions that were made back then. And uh, um, it's, um, it, it, you just wonder, did they put in the thought and effort into it? Or did they just pick something because they needed something to go to press with uh, back then? But, but yeah, that's funny. And, and the, the thing about um that's what I think is unique about the Bengal franchise because <clears throat> the striped helmet, when that when that change was made, it still continued to be a part of uh, making the franchise unique. Uh, and and um, this is was it last year when the uh, white helmet came out? Was that the yes. we debuted it on Thursday night? Yes, sir. Yep. And this uh, Tim, I don't know if you have anything to add to this, Dave. Uh, this season marks the 20th anniversary of the B logo, making it the longest tenured primary logo in team history. Um, B is outdated. Any thoughts? Uh, do you have any uh, dealings with the, with the B logo, Dave, with your time with the Bengals? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good logo. It's distinctive. It stood the test of time. Uh, again, what you're looking for when you're creating the logo like that is something that's quickly identifiable uh, to, to, the, to the league. Um, the logo, 
really is what represents the league in, in the in the mind of the consumer, the mind of the fan base. Uh, it, it has to be something that's recognizable. When you think about all the major brands that are out there, a company like Coca-Cola, who's is the most well-recognized brand throughout the world. Um, they've had very, very little changes over the years uh, to their logo. So that continuity, that continuity of going across the channels and keeping the logo the same. But I do think it's kind of fun to have these throwback jerseys and have these different uh, looks. You know, um, I, I think of Under Armour working with the University of Maryland. You know, look at all the different variations they've had uh, over the years. And even in the NFL, there are certain franchises that just don't change that much. There are other franchises that make changes continually. Um, and it's it's kind of, uh, for me, it's kind of unique to sit back and, and try to figure out why that decision was made and how did it play out in the marketplace? Did the fans accept it or did it not you know, go over that well? You know, you, you brought up another interesting point, Dave, um, about, yes, we're going to come up with this logo, but how does that cross over into – coaches shirts to merchandise and that's another big portion of what we see here whether it's an nfl team nhl team the third jerseys the city design or something that the nba uses it's just a huge aspect now and you know how crazy cincinnati Bengals fans went with that white helmet uh when we introduced that white alternate jersey it's a a big financial uh boom to um to the organization organization and to the NFL anytime they they do something um, different but it's interesting that you brought that back way back when that they were thinking about the other stuff around the ancillary stuff uh, not just uh, that one particular logo but how it would affect other um, articles of clothing and merchandise and things like that yeah every team has a, a primary logo and then they might have multiple secondary logos uh, but the key to it all is uh, how does it translate into the consumer market and at retail, uh, you know, and, and can you can you get the fans uh, to, to make that jump and make a purchase? Uh, and, I, you know, the NFL, they have really been at in, in the world of sports. They're at the forefront of this and they have been since the 80s uh, on licensed merchandise. Um, uh, not just the revenue share plan, but just overall how they worked hand in hand with vendors and retailers uh, to, to design uh, and keep um, keep intact a, a fresh uh, look that fans want to purchase. Interesting. Well, Dave, it, it means a lot. I know we've uh, Tom and I have shared this story between each other and, and James and our, our inner circle here multiple times. And Tom and I are like, man, wouldn't it be great if Dave felt comfortable coming on sharing this story too? Hearing it from you, you were there when it went down. But it means a lot. It's just unbelievable how popular that that leaping tiger logo is, and it was that simple. Those guys busted her butt, put all this stuff together. Mike knew what we wanted as fans. That right behind him. Uh, yeah. So I love that story. I think it's a really cool story. And thanks for sharing that with the, for, uh, for our viewers today. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate what you guys do. It's so fun to hear about, you know, relive the old days and, and hear some of the old players you bring on. But also the excitement around the franchise right now, this group of people, if they can keep this core group together uh, and and – and you know build for the future it's it's a fun time to be a Bengals fan right now <laughs> yes sir sure. we're gonna be like it's gonna be like this for a little while Dave come on we, we've earned this <laughs> <I hear you. laughs> a football generation of this is coming right yeah. <laughs> well Dave we appreciate it man thanks again for sharing that story that's that was awesome thank you appreciate it guys care, Dave. Right. thanks Dave we'll appreciate it everybody see you you know, our Dude, friend Chris you? brings up a nice point, um, you know, on the New Jersey's that Paul Brown signature is, is, is legendary. Just seeing it in that font and then adding that to the collar was a, was a nice touch. We could probably do a whole segment on uh, jerseys and merchandise and, oh, and yeah. all that stuff. Cause it's, it's a big, uh, big dollars as uh, Dave said. And uh, you know, I hate to think how much we spend on uh, Bengal swag annually, all of us. Some, something yeah, yeah. From, from all that and Bengal swag. A conversation I had with with Jeff Hobson a couple years ago, <clears throat> going down to a, well any sporting event, but particularly a Bengals game, it really stood out through the seventies and of course the late seventies. The Bengals struggled for a few years, known as the Homer Rice era, and then Forrest Gregg came in and changed things. And about that time was really when that kind of branding was going on. The team's colors were full of the stadium, and you went to a Bengals game. Great fans, very knowledgeable fans. Stadium was full. They loved football. 
but everybody was polite. And there would be 55,000 people coming to Riverfront Stadium looking like they just left a meeting with their accountant. They, they were all dressed like that and, you know, formal overcoats and everything else. The 1981 Bengals came in and the era of who day started. And like that, we joined the rest of the NFL. We, you know, joined Houston, the, the Astrodome being blue every week. You know, uh, the Orange Bowl being aqua and orange every week. Uh, you know, that place upriver, uh, you know, being black and gold every week. The, the Bengals, that team really pushed NFL marketing into this town. And uh, yeah. really, I, you know, you look at us now, everybody else is trying to be us. You went, you went from a stoic 1970, late 70s, 1980s stoic uh, crowd to Bengal mania face painting and orange and black wigs and everybody wearing orange and black. You're right, Tom. That's an awesome, awesome story. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So, guys, I mean, that that's a story I've been I, – we never thought we could share, but I, you know what? How cool is that? Mike Brown just, simply – Another cool story that was shared on here. I mean, there's been so many over, over the years, and, and to hear that straight from somebody that was sitting there while that whole thing went down was uh, cool. I don't know. I wasn't on last week, and if you mentioned it, uh, I'm sorry, but we saw Mon in the chat here. Mon had a – bike accident um, a couple weeks ago and uh, glad to hear he's rebounding and, and on the men. So well. Mom, thanks for, for joining us and um, speedy recovery, buddy. We're thinking about you. And as always, if you need anything, let us, uh, let us know, my friend. Yeah. Good. He's a good dude. Good dude. Uh, real guys, quick. Go ahead, Jimmy. Go ahead, Jimmy. Sorry, Jimmy. Uh, sorry, Tom. Um, real quick. There's been a little bit more details we've given on that jungle to the hall, June 10th. We've got the entire bank's, uh, locked up for everybody. Uh, we have uh, we're going to have twenty plus former players uh, in attendance. Uh, we got a lot of details still to work through right now, so stay tuned. We have some uh, discussions we have to have internally on how we're going to roll this out. But it's a uh, Saturday, June tenth. Looks like we're targeting at one to four o'clock uh, for Jungle to the Hall three. It will be the biggest Jungle to the Hall we've ever had. So it's going to be a, going to be a lot of fun. We're working through some details now, so we will stay tuned for more information on that. My bad, Tom. Go ahead. No, um, but just you know how we went through the last week. Uh, I was wondering how you you guys were. I mean, there was a uh, a posting on Twitter today that Kings Island's putting in a new roller coaster, and it's called Bengal Fan Emotions. The first week of free agency. Um, you know that first day. You know, I think we all get a jolt of incredible optimism and shock. Uh, yeah, I know we, we, Jimmy, you and I had talked to people uh, off air, and you know, we knew Jesse Bates was gone, but essentially, you know, the U Haul was in front of Jerome Pratt's place too, Jermaine Pratt's place, and and he was gone, and we end up getting him. You know, and I've said with his big plays and his strong play, and you know, there were some services that had him rated for a good part of the season deep into December as the number one linebacker in the NFL. Um, but, but I think he's, he's going to end up being a first team, all Bengal first team, all Bengal uh, for all time. But what were your guys thoughts on retaining Jermaine Pratt? That was really the first stepping stone. Nobody gets credit for retaining your own players. That's what you get from outside. But, but that, I think that's massive for our defense. That was huge. Uh, no doubt about it. I think, um, 
you know, a lot of the, we knew Jesse was going to be gone strictly looking at the defensive side of the ball. I think everybody was in agreement on that. I think the thought was, you know, if we're going to keep anybody on the defensive side, it's probably going to be Von Bell. Well, we saw what would happen there. So when Jermaine ended up signing the deal here, I think personally, I was, I was ecstatic. Um, obviously we have a hole in that secondary. We, we solved that later in the, in the week, but um for what was he, a fourth-round pick out of NC State? Obviously, we know his relationship with uh, B.J. Hill, um, another um, NC State uh, grad, and kind of their um, joking back and forth on, on social media. It's um, it's huge. Um, you know, the linebacker, you know, the one thing we talked about on the show, if you were to franchise tag him, it was $20 million, right, um, annually is the franchise tag for linebackers. So would we get him three years at uh, $21 million, so an average of, of $7 million per year? One, excited he's back, you know, another homegrown guy that um, that we drafted the year the draft was in Nashville. And two, um, you know, to keep some continuity, grown guy that um, that we drafted the year the draft was in Nashville. And two, um, you know, to keep some continuity there. And then three for the price, you know, you look at the bargains, you know, use the term bargain that we got uh, bringing back Jermaine and what we got in Orlando Brown um, as a fan. We have to be uh, – have to be happy uh, with that, Jimmy. Your thoughts? Yeah, man. I'll tell you, I I wasn't shocked that we we re-signed Pratt, but general knowledge and consensus in the media and, and all the guys that we knew were saying, "Hey, there's pretty good chance he's not coming back." Um, I, I think, I, I what a great great signing. I think Tom hit it right on the nose. I had a fan come up to me the next day. I think that signing uh, the next day, I'm out and. Like, man, we're not doing anything. I was like, we just signed, we re-signed one of the best linebackers in the NFL. That just because he didn't play, just because he was on our team last year, that's a big get. Uh, keep it on the roster. And the Orlando Brown was that Friday night, I think, whatever it was later in the evening. I literally woke up multiple times during the night. I'm thinking I'm keep checking my damn cell phone to see if there's any other uh any other signings. But that one right there took everybody by surprise. I don't think anybody had that one on their radar. I know it, I know it. Took the guys on this screen on our on our individual text stream by shock. Well, it couldn't have been worse timing. I'm getting on the, the plane, I think, and just about ready to lose self-service. And I think Tom texts, oh, my OMG, I think is what he texts. I'm like, oh, boy, what happened? <laughs> I think and, the line uh, stronger than that. But, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> but it was great, uh, great news. I think if you look at um, the first week from, from 30,000 foot, um, keeping Jermaine – Sign in um, Orlando, sign another depth offense alignment and, and Cody Ford. It was a second round pick in 2019. Another um, young player. Uh, look at the uh, the safety we got from the Rams. I think one, you know, we're kept one of the core guys Two, the guys we brought in are, are young um, and, and very team friendly deals. So you have to be excited. It's, it's not done yet. We still have some some holes to fill. Ben touched on that a little bit. Um, tight end, for example, uh, bringing in that veteran, filling the holes in the draft. But I think it does open up that draft a little bit more, whether we take best player available or we go tight end, um, tackle, or um, another um, defensive back, whether that's uh, safety or cornerback in the draft. One comment that was brought up uh, earlier was the loss of, of P. Ryan. Um, we know the the role he played last year. Uh, personally, I think he was a better running back than, than what Joe Mixon brought to the table. And coming out later after the fact we knew he signed with Denver, our offer, you know, was the same. So it wasn't a, a lack of money or, you know, us trying to, to get a hometown discount for him. Uh, what was the terminology used? Why he went to Denver? Personal reasons. Personal reasons. So, you know, kudos to the front office. They did what they had to do monetary-wise to, um, to keep him. For whatever reason, he decided to go to Colorado. And, you know, as I always say, running backs are like outfielders in baseball, a dime a dozen. We'll find uh, we'll find some more. Would have loved to have uh, P. Ryan back, but uh, he chose uh, to head to the uh, Rocky Mountains. Guys, and, 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 oh, go ahead, Jimmy. No, it's funny, you know, and, and just to add on that, the other, you know, Hayden Hurst, everybody loved the guy, right? Coming in, it was a one-year deal. Hey, come in. Show, show, put a lot of good stuff on tape and go make some big money somewhere. Joe Burrow, the past two years, has made two, two tight ends very rich <laughs> at the end of the day here. So, hate that Hayden's gone at the end of the day, but uh, you can't pay everybody, uh, you know, can't pay everybody. So, uh, good luck to, to Hayden, but uh, I'm, I'm not 
upset right now. I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be fine to be interested to see what happens in our with our tight end position at this point. Sorry, Tom. Go ahead. No, no. The the other thing we, we brought up briefly with Ben, and we we had some time constraints with him, but um, as great as it is to have Orlando Brown Jr., you know, right away we we get the problem, um, you know, with moving guys around and guys wanting to be. And I do understand Jonah's emotions there. He's the left tackle, for better or for worse. He's given maximum effort as the phrase goes, he's played tough, played through injuries. He's played through some pretty significant injuries and, uh, and, and always been there. And I understand the, the stigma with, uh, with being the left tackle, with protecting the blind side on the team, but all five positions are important. After things wear down, and maybe he talks to his teammates with a team that, and I don't mean to jinx anything, but is a legitimate, strong Super Bowl contender with one of the elite quarterbacks of the game. Do you guys think, you know, maybe he calms down and maybe he says, you know what? Uh, I know I can play left tackle. I've got film of me playing left tackle. You know, yeah, let me come in. Let me suck it up. Let me let me line up at right tackle. And, and you know, let's, you know, I'm going to bet on myself playing outstanding at right tackle. And, and let's go win a Super Bowl. I mean, Mike McClinchy didn't grade out all that much better than Jonah Williams. And look at the contract he got from the Broncos. It was insane. Do you think he calms down and maybe decides to come back? Hey, hey, personally, Tom, go ahead. Go ahead. personally, with the 12 million, I'd rather trade him and, and get something in return and, and draft a offensive tackle there at the end of round one, whether it's a kid from Tennessee whether it's uh, the Jones kid from from Ohio State or, or draft one in the in the second round, twelve million is is a, l- a lot of money. Um, I think you've, with Lyle Collins, I don't think he's gonna be back. Obviously, with the injury, um, that makes things a little bit tricky for the um, for the front office. If we're looking at depth, I think you know the O line as a whole. I think Bolson's gonna stick at at left guard. I think he had a, a solid rookie year. I think he's only gonna get better. I think we saw him wear down a little bit at the end of the year. Obviously, the NFL season's a heck of a lot longer than the um, college season, not to mention how deep we went into the playoffs. Uh, personally, we, we brought Cody Ford in with a chance to play um, tackle. Obviously, he's a heck of a lot uh, cheaper than um, than Jonah. If I'm, the, if I'm the front office, if I can get any value for Jonah and save that $12 million or take that $12 million and use it for – another position I'm all for it and here's the reason why I think what we saw in a, in a backup role with Jackson Carmen coming in at the end of the year um, at left tackle uh, hell or high water I keep Jackson on the left side what we saw for him on the right side two years ago you know none of us liked Ben baby mentioned making that transitions tough um, so in, in a perfect world for me get something of value thank Jonah for his time and we move on yeah I, you know look man I I Look, I get it. My initial impression, I think I posted this on all, all of our social media platforms, is this is a huge upgrade for the Bengals at left tackle. Huge. Uh, Jonah, if you would have played better, this wouldn't have happened, right? So not to say he's a bad offensive lineman, but I hate that mentality, right? It's He sounded like he was crying, being a baby. Trade me now because somebody you, you signed a free agent to take my position. And then I kind of settled down a little bit. I get the money, the right tackle versus left tackle. That's probably where his head's at. But, Tom, I think you made a great point there, but I really do. I, I mean, Jonah moving a right tackle for one year, he's got tons of tape at left tackle. So I, I don't I don't know the deadlines when all these decisions have to be made. Is it, you know, what's he worth? No more than a third-round draft pick at best. Um, but, well, we you know, consider a team has to shell out $12 million. If yep. they're going to get him, they, they, they have to pay – 12 million. The Bengals may even have trouble getting a three for him. Um, yeah. You know, I think James has the best point. If they do trade him, the benefit is getting that $12 million, you know, to look at Joe Burrow, T Higgins and Logan Wilson for next year. Uh, you know, the, but the big thing is then, you know, how secure is right tackle? You're probably not going to have Lyle Collins maybe till November. Uh, Cody Ford has been, you know, and Jimmy, you and I, uh, talked about this uh, the other day. Uh, Cody Ford's been up and down. He was a very high draft pick, very well thought of. 
went to Buffalo. It didn't work. You know, he reminds me a little bit of Jackson Carmen. He was given a starting spot in Buffalo. It really didn't work all that well. Went to Arizona looking for a change in scenery. They put him at guard. That didn't work. Now, you know, he's going to hit different coaching. And, you know, it sounds like he's very fired up to come in. But, you know, I, I don't know if he's a he's a tackle. And it only takes one hit from one weak position to put that on. And I, I think James is right. Jackson Carmen is on the left side. That's where his footwork is. That's where he belongs. And he he played the, his best football we've seen to date as a left tackle next year. There's nothing wrong right. with having depth at any position. We we need but depth. We have to have the depth. I'm with you. I, I don't that. think, but the other part of James's point, starting to look at some of these mock drafts, the right tackles everybody likes. Um I don't think they're going to be there at 28. I don't yeah, think I don't have. think either either of those two guys that could come in and help right away are going to be there at, at number 28. So my gut tells me uh, two of the guys that everybody is, is screaming to get rid of, probably all three, are probably going to be here, and that's Joe Mixon. They may talk to him about restructuring his deal. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um. And, and and now Jonah, I think they let him calm down. I I, leave, I think Zach talks to him. I think Frank Pollock talks to him. I think Brian Callahan talks to him, and I'll bet Joe Burrow talks to him. And you know he may come back and and see what he can do on that right side, uh, because he hasn't been a world beater at left tackle. And uh, you know, uh, you know I <laughs> I'm tired of seeing every time we play the Browns. Miles Garrett slaughtering Joe Burrow. So, you know, hopefully that's over. Uh, but like I said, Jonah's a tough guy. He's a hundred percent guy. He he is talented, but I don't know if he's a Super Bowl left tackle. We've got a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I don't know if I don't know if Jonah's a Super Bowl winning left tackle. God love him. But uh, you know, like Jimmy said, we we've upgraded a left tackle. Let's let's get all five positions upgraded with depth. So it, when there is the inevitable injury during the year, the sky is not falling and we're panicked. Right. Um, right. So I, you know, there's there's a good chance. You know, it, it's it'll if he goes, the upside is we get twelve million dollars and maybe another fairly good pick. If he stays, hopefully we've got a talented first rounder that can plug in and right tackle looking to show the NFL that he is worth $12 million a year. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. James, you're on mute, buddy. Tom, before you pass the mic over, can you answer uh, Augie's uh, question on whose jersey you're rocking tonight? It's a Bruce Reimer's jersey. God love one of the toughest Bengals of all time. There you go. All right, let's kick it. Two-minute warning. Man, I miss my buddies from Toledo. Holy Toledo. Chuck, Chuck from Toledo. He's out of control. He's a mess. He's like that all the time, too, James. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. Get it started, man. No, big week. Uh, finally, we've got uh, pretty much, what would you say, 80% of Jungle to the Hall set, set in there, just waiting for some things to firm up. We, we, we got a date and time set as a, and a location. Other than that, we've date got a lot of details to work we, we've got some other good things to announce. It's, it's going to be a fun day. Uh, it'll be a day to celebrate the franchise, but mainly celebrate those Bengals legends that should be in Canton and have not been. The Ken Andersons, the Willie Andersons, and uh, also to celebrate Ken Riley finally getting in. So uh, the free agency roller coaster uh, keeps going. You know, next year the Bengals ought to do that. They ought to have Kings Island sponsor free agency week. The, you know, the first 10 days of free agency. But um, but but like we talked about with Ben, keep an eye on Eli Apple. Uh, keep an eye on Trey Flowers. I think from within, those are the two numbers or two players uh, to really watch. And we'll go from there. But, uh, no, another, another big week as we set up. And we will continue to set up and have announcements for some things we'll be doing for the NFL draft. And, and beyond. So, again, you guys have got a lot of choices. Thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. James? 
Thank you, Tom. And uh, thanks to our guest tonight. Uh, like I said, it's been a while since we had Ben Baby on from, from ESPN. We appreciate his time. Again, just more cool Bengals knowledge, thanks to um, David. So Jimmy and Tom, kudos for uh, getting him on. Just we need to go back and do a special recap in the first three years and how much information that's been exuded from, from guests on the show that's never been heard before. So another great guest, Jimmy, getting him on and um, the jerseys. Here's that uh, jersey that so many people got excited about. I'll pop it up uh, one more time here. Maybe I hit the right button. Is it uh, showing, not showing? Let's see. That one. Yeah, go ahead and I don't know. My computer's acting wonky. If you can put it up, go ahead and uh, and uh, put it up. But um, as always, thank you to the fans. Uh, the jungle to the hall date. Circle that. Mark your calendar. Um, the first two years, excellent turnout. Being at the banks this year is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, hope to see you there. And um, you know, the first week, I think we're all happy where we're at in, in free agency and um, in Duke and in the rest of the front office. We trust and. Uh, We'll see some more key signings. Foster Moreau coming in would be um, nice to um, give us a veteran at that tight end position if we can make that happen. And uh, we'll see what, where the other cards uh, fall into place. Jimmy? Yeah, I, I think you good point, James. Remember, Tom, last week I think you and I said don't panic the first half an hour when signings aren't done. And sure enough, people panicked uh, last uh, earlier in the week when early in the process. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think – this isn't the Bengals of the 90s when we didn't trust anything was going to be done right, guys. The, the past three or four years would show you the free agency market. We've, we've had two or three years in a row, Tom, that, or maybe even four years in a row now. We've attacked agency like we've never attacked free agency before in the history of this organization. So I feel comfortable with trusting Duke and the, the Brown family, Katie, Elizabeth, all those folks. Uh, trust the process. Uh, we're still not done. And uh, – once this free agency is over, when we get to the draft, I'm excited what happens in the draft as well. So, guys, we appreciate you being with us. It means a lot. Uh, again, reiterating what James said, uh, Jungle to the Hall 3. Uh, we are talking the biggest blowout ever uh, for Jungle to the Hall. And Tom, you know, just reiterating, hey, the focus on this is focusing on the legends that should be in the Hall of Fame uh, that we will continue to draw local and national attention to. Uh, but on top of that, we're going to do some other fun stuff this year that we've never done in years past. So we're really looking forward to it. Save the date. Uh, we'll talk to you later, and we will actually uh, see you guys next week. Who day, everybody? Who day? Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping, and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more strengthen security posture, and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.